0: Welcome to the It's You Taz World podcast. Tom Hackett, Steve Bartle with you guys. Hey, check us out on Twitter at SBartle247. Or you can find myself at Tom Can't Hackett. We got a, we got a, a, a kind of a fun show, I think. We we have most weeks. Uh, Brian Johnson news news about Brian Johnson. We'll dive into that. Ricky Parks is now a four star. We'll find out what that means. Uh, some South End zone news as it relates to the construction project going on at Rice Eccles Stadium, and then uh, there is stuff going on, on up at the um, the facility. There's there's some stuff to get to there as well. So um, no breaking news necessarily, but but news nonetheless that we'll talk about and we'll dissect and hopefully have a good time doing so. Uh, NetWay Subaru, NetWay.com, for really any of your needs. Uh, Here's basically what they've they've got going on at the minute is if you don't feel comfortable going to the dealership, that's okay. You can accomplish anything online. Um, You can speak to to representatives. You can speak to salesmen. You can book a a service appointment. You can uh, test drive cars online. I mean, I'm telling you, anything you need, is available for you online, or you can go down to the dealership, 1207 South Main Street. Please wear a mask, stay socially distant, and check out the inventory they got going on. Um, Steve, let's start the show with some sad news. You and I both know a guy that, that happened to pass away from COVID today, uh, and he's a young fella too. Matt Johnson was his name, or is his name rather. Uh, lost his battle. He spent multiple weeks in the ICU. He leaves behind his wife genie uh their five-year-old son um and i believe she she is 10 weeks pregnant with their second yeah. child on the way so just heartbreaking stuff i'm telling you he must have been i don't know 40 maybe he just he yeah. wasn't old he was he was quite yeah. young and uh and he's no longer with us so uh our condolences to his entire family and i mean you saw him like a month ago right steve
1: yeah not too long ago i was filling in and uh, for for our friend Bill Riley at ESPN seven hundred and you know it's just doing his thing at work and um you know it it's uh it's sad. It's it's a tough reminder that this thing, you know, COVID is still real, is still still there and it's still a threat. And you know, not just um you know Matt Johnson, but there are so many others that have lost their lives to this and like it sucks. Like I know we're all we're all tired of it. We're all tired of wearing our mask, and we've got the vaccine, but you know we still need to to do what we can to uh, you know be respectful and, and be mindful of those that um, maybe aren't as uh, healthy as you and I. Uh, and so, yeah, tough news, man. That's that that mm-hmm. was tough to see that today, and and uh, you know, obviously the NBA lost uh, another uh, another big big contributor to their their coverage and, and Sekou Smith, and a lot of people really enjoyed Sekou Smith and and what he brought to the table. And so, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's been, uh, been a tough days on on that front, but I hope that we can just uh, continue to move forward and, and, uh, and be mindful and respectful of, of, of everyone with this. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Hug your, hug your loved ones. Yeah. A little tighter today and, um, just do your part. That's all you get. That's all we here as, as hosts of this podcast can ask of, of our listeners is, um, just to do your part, but the virus isn't going away overnight. Even if everybody in America decided to mask up and try and stay socially distant, the virus just isn't going to go away overnight. It's going to take a little bit of time, and so we're going to have to deal with it now for uh, for the foreseeable future until something changes. So just do your part, mask up, please. Be careful. Don't be going to big gatherings or group events, and um, lo- you know, hug your loved ones a little tighter because you never know when uh, your or or their time could could potentially come. So sorry to start the, the show off um, on a somber note, but, but we felt it was probably necessary yeah. to just, uh, to, to send our
1: respects to Matt. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He was, yeah. Anyway, he was, he was a great fella, and uh, always had a smile on his face, did the jobs that nobody really else wanted to do and never complained. So yep. tragic news, but um, our, our, our love goes out to his family and everybody else that's lost loved ones during the pandemic. Um, Steve, to move on to uh, some some Utah football conversation. Um, Some news broke this morning. Uh, We're recording this Wednesday, January 27th. Um, So depending on when you listen to this, maybe you've heard by now, maybe you haven't. But but Brian Johnson, Steve, uh, is leaving the college football coaching ranks after a decade, and he is going to be the new Philadelphia Eagles quarterbacks coach. So I don't know if this is a, a demotion. Necessarily, because he was the offensive coordinator at Florida. Now he's the quarterbacks coach at the Eagles. Um, I, I actually, we can get into it, but I, I see it more as a promotion than oh, a demotion. Yeah. Even though his, you know, his, um, his 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 status, coaching status, if you will, he doesn't have as much responsibility coaching just the quarterbacks as opposed to the offensive coordinator. But nonetheless, it's the NFL. And it's the Premier League going around. I think it's pretty cool. Look, so just to give backstory, just to fill Utah fans' memories on the timeline that, that BJ's been been on. So we started this coaching journey as a quarterbacks coach at the University of Utah. That occurred in 2010. He made the jump as offensive coordinator in 2012. He was 2012-2013 offensive coordinator at the University of Utah, In 2014, he joined former Utah assistant coach Dan Mullen at Mississippi State, where he thrived, actually, Steve. Remember, he was a big part in the development of of Dak Prescott, current Dallas Cowboys quarterback, who's thrived in the NFL. Uh, He took an interesting move. He took like a one-year hiatus from Mississippi State, went to the University of Houston, and then decided to join Dan Mullen again at the University of Florida. That's where he's been since. And look. The, the notoriety he he received following the Dak Prescott um uh development was was great he's, he's also played a pretty significant role in Kyle Trask the Heisman finalist from 2020 the 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 Florida quarterback and and maybe that's a, a, one of the bigger reasons he's he's gotten the job as the Eagles quarterback's coach is because he's produced and developed college quarterbacks into Prosperous NFL stars. Anyway, I'll 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 stop talking because I'm, I'm talking too much. But that's the backstory on BJ. Uh, Steve, what do you what do you make of this move?
1: No, it's going to be uh, interesting, and I think it's a great opportunity for Johnson. You know, to to enter the NFL ranks. Um, you know, he's very highly thought of and and well regarded uh, as a rising kind of a coaching star. What he's done in his time. Like I know, a lot of Utah fans are going to, to call back to the 2012 and 2013 seasons where you know Utah struggled, but you know I think we've learned just how how much talent plays plays a part, you know, in your success as a coach and and uh, you know Tom, you were you were living it, you were in there, you know, you were in the, you know in the fight, and you know for uh, for Utah it, it was a bit of a struggle, you know making that transition from the Mountain West to the Pac-12 in those early years particularly on the offensive side of the ball and you know things just didn't work out as as well as many had hoped it would with Brian Johnson but you know he's continued on this upward trend and rise you know since since then and he's uh he's now got an opportunity to join the Philadelphia Eagles and it's a It's a very interesting situation that he now walks into Um, because Philadelphia, uh, you know, if if you've followed along the NFL this year, um, you know, they've got Carson Wentz who's on a big contract, struggled mightily all year long, um, was benched for Mm -hmm. a rookie and Jalen hurts the former Oklahoma quarterback and former Alabama quarterback before that. And Jalen hurts you know, looked good, looked pretty promising, showed some some promising flashes of, of his potential. And so, you know, BJ is going into a, a quarterback room where, you know, maybe there's a little bit of tension between Wentz and, and Hurts. I know that Wentz has stated that uh, if he's not the starter, he would like to be traded. Uh, so, you know, this is going to be a great opportunity and a great test for... For Johnson um, to to come into. And and he's proven, you know, throughout his years, he helped Dak Prescott. He helped Kyle Trask, as you alluded to uh, there, Tom. And, you know, we'll see what he does here. And if he does a good job here, it's only a matter of time before, you know, he gets a an offensive coordinator job, head coaching job. What we've seen in the NFL over the last couple of years is, you know, organizations are looking for the young up and coming head coaches, right? They're looking for guys that are on the rise and Brian Johnson, you know, it's taken him a couple years to kind of get going, but he's starting on this rise and it's exciting to think where he, uh, where he might end up, you know, if things go well here in Philadelphia.
0: Yeah. I'm um, I'm excited for him. I, I'm trying to, and I have been maybe, you know, so the, the Eagles, fired uh, Doug Peterson a couple of weeks ago now I guess I, I can't quite remember it was shortly after the conclusion of their season and uh, and they recently just hired Nick Sirianni as their new head coach he's never been a head coach before uh, he's bounced around the NFL as a lot of these coaches have I, I just can't put I can't and I understand that a lot of these coaches whether it's whether it be college or NFL they, they all like they all know each other or they know of each other. Word gets around who the good ones are, um, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I, would have, I have no idea when you look at Nick Sirianni's uh, coaching resume so far, I just have no idea where BJ or Siriani would have crossed paths. So it is an, an interesting move uh, by the Eagles uh, to, to reach out to, to a college um, O.C., uh, and, and immediate headaches, Steve, as you alluded to the, the Carson Wentz, Jalen Hurts dilemma That's a big issue, that's a big problem That that, that BJ's yeah. going to have to come in and solve, essentially So, um, you know, I don't know if Go ahead, and then I'll continue. I, I, I was, yeah, it's interesting. Steve, I, sorry,
1: I was just gonna say, yeah, it's, it's, it's a pickle. It's, it's uh, a bit of a, you know, it's, it's a less than ideal situation. But really, you know, let's say, let's say he helps Carson Wentz kind of regain his form.
0: You know, mm. That's
1: gonna look good for Brian Johnson. And then, you know, if 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 Johnson elects to go with Hertz and Hertz puts together a solid season. You know, because he's – Jalen Hurts is a good athlete. He's won. He's proven to be a, a capable playmaker. But I don't think anybody is looking at him as as a guy that can, you know, contend in the upper half of the quarterback echelon in, in the NFL. But I think Brian Johnson, if he helps Jalen Hurts, you know, put together you know, a solid performance, a more consistent performance, you know, that's going to look good for him. So I think it, it, is, it is a headache. Um, yeah. Type of a situation that he's coming into, but he's got, you know, he's got a great opportunity uh, to help either one of these guys, and that's going to look really good for for BJ. If yeah, you yeah. know, assuming assuming right. things go well, obviously.
0: Right. Yeah. If things go poorly, then, and that's kind yeah. of why I'm so interested in in why he decided to take this jump. Because there are, there are a couple ways I I look at it. So first of first of all, I, I've always said Steve that the NFL is a much better venue for coaches to coach in. I, I just think it's... Oh, sure, sure, sure. I think the college game is great. and the, like, But when you look at salaries, right, When you when you look at it from a financial element or aspect, it's like college coaches and NFL coaches are generally making similar coin. Maybe some college coaches make more than some NFL coaches, but some NFL coaches also make more than some college coaches. It's a back and forth. The big difference, and I think I've spoken about this on the podcast, is you don't have to recruit like you do in college in the NFL. They have scouts for that. So, you know, BJ now is in a position where he can spend most of his time in Philadelphia, or he can, um, during the offseason, he can spend time with his wife back here in, in Utah, because I believe that's where she's from, or they can go back to Texas where he's from and spend time with, they don't have to be on the, he doesn't have to be on the recruiting trail, you know, every, every second of his, of his off season. Um, They have scouts that do that, which is just why you, you would coach in, in college. I have no idea. I just, I don't know why you would do it. Get yourself in the door in the NFL and you live a much more enjoyable and relaxing life. Um, Yeah. So, so I, I understand why he would make that jump. But right. then, Steve, what I don't understand is he was the offensive coordinator at the University of Florida, the Gators. Carl Trask is a seriously talented quarterback, and I get he's leaving, but let's not, let's not you know assume that they're not going to have the next great quarterback coming into the program. They're a top-tier college program, and he was getting looks at head coaching opportunities in the college game. He, he interviewed for the Boise State opening. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he had of interviewed for the Utah State job back back a few months ago. I don't know. I'm just assuming there. Maybe he didn't.
1: But he was South Carolina. South, South Carolina, Carolina he interviewed as well, yeah.
0: There you go. So he's getting looks as a head coach, you know, and that's generally how you get head coach opportunities is you go from a coordinator position to the next set, which would be a head coach. Now he's a quarterback's coach. So now he's taken one step back essentially, oh, but he's in the NFL. So like, it's a weird dynamic, I think.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. And I think, you know, for BJ, this is a great opportunity, not just because of, you know, what we've talked about with, with Wentz and, and Hertz and what that opportunity presents itself. But, you know, this is going to be a great opportunity for Johnson to learn himself and to kind of really dive into just football and, Get a feel for where you know the game is headed, um, you know, at the professional level. I think it's it's uh, it's a great opportunity for him in so many aspects because this is a great experience, um, you know, where he can now say that he's coached in the NFL, uh, and you know, he'll. <laughs> I'm sure he's looking for a head coaching job um, and, and wants to be a a head coach sooner rather than later, and. You know, who knows, maybe the feedback he got was, you know, he needed to kind of get out from Dan Mullen's wings and, and and uh and kind of spread his wings a little bit more. Um and so you know this is this is as much about you know his his opportunity and what he brings to the Eagles as much as it is what he's going to learn from other NFL coaches and kind of learn and, and see what to, uh, what to apply to his own experience as a coach. And so all around, you know, anytime you can get in the NFL, it's a great opportunity because you're going to learn so much about the game. Um, and, and that's going to help BJ down the road for sure. As he's, you know, he'll, I'm, (laughs) it's only a matter of time, in my opinion, before he gets a head coaching job. And this is, this is a big help and a big stepping stone for him in that, in that
0: endeavor. Yeah, he's he's thirty three still. I mean, he's that's not crazy. Even that he's thirty three. That's crazy. He's been coaching for a decade at a very high level, and he's Jeez. he's thirty three.
1: That's uh, he's, crazy.
0: Yeah, isn't that crazy? Just unbelievable. Um, what he's been able to accomplish. Look, I I th- I think inevitably when when Coach Whittingham decides to hang up the whistle and uh, move on with his life and enter – Um, the phase of retirement. I, I I think BJ is going to be one of the favorites to take over. I just, I just do. I hope so. I I he might not get it. He might not get the job, but, but he's certainly going to be interviewed for it. And, uh, and he's certainly going to be a fan favorite. And by all means, I wouldn't be, be surprised if, if he got the job as, as, as head coach of the university of Utah, I think, and to be quite frank, I think that's a great hire. Um, And, again, we're talking in five years' time, and I understand a lot can change in five years, Steve, but we're talking about a a coach that's that's very young, and I like that. I think that's what Utah needs in their next head coach. I think they need some youth, some exuberance, some excitement, some some offensive uh, firepower. And I don't want to necessarily go away from the defensive juggernaut that Utah's – uh, kind of uh, developed over the years under Whittingham, but I think we need just another little sp- offensive spark. And maybe BJ's the answer. I, uh, I don't know. Um, and it's a conversation that I'm sure we'll have uh, many times over the coming years, but, but nonetheless, yeah. um, we're both excited for BJ. We're excited to see kind of how he handles the NFL ranks. And um, I think he'll be pleasantly surprised with, with what it all entails as well. Um yeah. Ricky Parks, Steve, some big recruiting news coming out uh, yeah. relating to, today. to old Ricky Parks. That was today, yeah. was it? Okay, yeah. tell us more.
1: Yeah, Ricky Parks, the newest four-star in Utah's yeah. class. So he got a ratings bump, and uh, the recruiting services recognize him as a, as a four-star type talent. Um, you know, this is something that I've <laughs> – I've been high on Ricky. I like what he brings to the table as a prospect. Uh, he's got a, a good blend of size and athleticism. And uh, today he was, uh, was bumped to four-star status. So, uh, you so know, in, helped... in... go ahead.
0: So, oh, no, I was just going to help me understand before you move, go any further. Um, we're, we're towards the end of January. So high school football hasn't been played for a couple right. months now. What, like why, why does Ricky Parks get a bump in his rating January 27th, sure. way after the high school season concluded. Help me understand.
1: Yeah, so um, it's all about – so it's it's a timing here, right? So you've got – you play your season, and typically Utah ends their season in November. Florida can go sometimes into the month of December. I think Texas went into – they finished just a couple weeks ago in the state of Texas, their state oh, okay. football playoffs. So you've got a lot of evaluations to go through. And you know, a lot of it is is simply the availability of of tape for these guys. And some of them, you know, do a great job. Some kids do a great job of updating their film every week, you know, after games, and others, you know, you're you're getting, you know, a cut-up of their film six games into the season and then at the end of the season. So um, that's why you're seeing uh, rating updates into January and February. And, you know, it's going to be interesting because not every state (laughs) has played a football season, uh, a 2020 football season. You know, we're still waiting on California and Nevada. And I think Washington and a couple others are in there too, that haven't played. And so, um, you know, some of these guys, like uh, like a Koli Fa'ai uh, out of Washington, a Utah commit, a big offensive lineman out of the state of Washington. I'm not sure his his intentions, you know, whether he's fully committed to playing a, a, junior, a senior season this spring or, or not. I think the last time that I spoke to him, he was pretty set on playing. Uh, but we'll see now that he's signed with Utah. Um, but, you know, that's a kid where if he does play a senior season and puts on a great show, you know, he's a kid that could get a a ratings bump, you know, in in April and May. Like it's just this whole 2020 season has just been kind of wacky, but this is pretty typical where, you know, kids complete their season. We get the, all the tape available on these guys and then we do our evaluations in December and January and into February. So this isn't the final ratings update, but uh, it's a pretty significant one. So he got he got bumped to four star status, and that's a that's a big deal because that's a, a proper reflection of his talent and what he's bringing to the table. And um, you know, you fans should definitely be excited about Ricky Parks and uh, and him joining the program. He was he is an early enrollee, but he's going to be a mid semester uh, early enrollee. So instead of enrolling, you know, typically in January like a lot of the other guys already have, he's going to enroll in in March at the mid-semester point, which will still allow him to participate in spring ball as well.
0: So he'll be on campus in just a couple of months is what you're saying. Yep.
1: Yep. Him, cool. him, uh, Makai Cope, Isaac Vaha, and, uh, and I think Jonah Ellis is the right. other one that will be here in March.
0: While we're on the topic, um, and we didn't have this in the rundown, so I apologize for putting you on the spot here, Steve, but, um, who, who joined the program in January? Yeah. Because the, the the team, and we were going to get to this, but we may as well just get to it now. For those that don't know, the team is back working out and has started their winter program, which, by the way, is the worst of all of the off-season programs, <laughs> the winter. It stinks. <laughs> um, but they're back, and they're going to be grinding yeah. for no real apparent reason. Eight months prior to the season, they'll be... Working as hard as they do all year makes no sense, but uh, that's college football for you. Makes no sense, Tom.
1: Championships are won in January. They're won in February. No, they're not. (laughs) They're not. They're not. You set the tone in January and February, Tom. This is football.
0: So, this is what I don't get, okay? Um, And I'm not, I want to go on the record. I'm not bashing. Coach E or any of the guys. Because I've said things in the past and Coach E has had to pull me aside and he's had a word with me like, hey, man, why are you going to be talking badly about my, my off-season workouts? I'm like, sorry, Coach. I, I didn't mean for it to come across in like a hurtful, offensive way. But, but this is just where I stand with it. They seriously get after these players in, in January and February, during winter. It, I'm telling you, it's the hardest yeah. part of the off-season, is winter. Maybe, ah. maybe... The cold weather kind of adds to the hurt. I don't know, but it's brutal.
1: I'm sure it does. Why
0: don't they start on like, you know, like a little easier in January, February, and then slowly, Steve, but gradually work the intensity up as the season approaches? That's what I don't understand. As opposed to start really high intensity, grueling workouts, and then kind of like go down, come comes summertime then you get the whole month of may off and half the people don't work out then then you have to come back and you have a little few more weeks of summer and then it's fall camp it's like this this wave constant wave like up and down it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me just ease these guys into it for crying out loud anyway sorry about that no you're, you're good who's coming in um, in January? She? So.
1: <laughs> Uh, we've got, so Utah's got, they've, they've brought in all of the transfers. So you're looking at your and Jackson, TJ Pledger, Chris nice. Curry, Charlie Brewer, they're all nice. here. So they're all enrolled. And then you've got um, Peter Costelli, nice. Mason to Tuf- Funga, um, Trey Reynolds, Cole Bishop and Darien Stewart. Uh, those cool. are the, uh, the five high school prospects that have enrolled early. And then, like I said, Um, Ricky Parks, Isaac Vaha, Makai Cope, and Jonah Ellis, I think are the only other four that are set to enroll in March. Um, Elisha Lloyd and Ethan Calvert might, but as of right now, it's just those four that I mentioned.
0: Cool. Well, that's exciting because that's a a very talented group of individuals that are joining the program in January, which gives them plenty of time to prepare. Prepare both mentally and physically for the season. Get the playbooks, figuring out their teammates, the dynamic of the locker room. You know, all of all of which kind of plays a, a pretty significant role for anybody that's new entering a program. So, that's massive news for the university. Um, hey, Steve, I, I I saw something yesterday. A college football fox analyst by the name of R.J. Young. Yeah. I hadn't really heard of until yesterday, I must admit. But nonetheless, he's, he's, he's pretty credible if he works for Fox no. College Football. He came out and said that uh, Utah is the favorite to win the Pac-12 South, and he's predicting they go on to win the Rose Bowl, which would suggest they win the entire Pac-12 conference, and they're going to take on Wisconsin, the old Badgers, in the Rose Bowl, Steve. Can RJ we, Young,
1: like, yeah, RJ Young is scoring him some Utah fan yeah. love, that's for sure.
0: I don't mean to be like the bearer of bad news here. Oh, jeez, Tom, now what? There's no way that happens. Like, what do you mean there's no way? What are you talking about, Steve? We don't have a quarterback. <laughs> and this, like, well, what are you talking yeah. about? And, and and
1: that's part of why RJ Young is so high on Utah is because – He's watched um, he's out of the state of Texas he's he's a big big 12 guy um, he was he had his own YouTube channel and has done a lot of videos over the last couple of years he was just recently hired by Fox Sports because of what gotcha. he was doing on YouTube so um, he's he's big in the state of Texas and he's seen what Charlie Brewer and and Jackson have done uh, in their high school careers. While well, Charlie Brewer was at Baylor and he's very high on Charlie Brewer. I think he also um, dropped something else the other day uh, saying that Charlie Brewer, out of all the transfers um, that we've seen so far, not just at Utah, but across the country with all the transfers, and there's been a lot and some really, really good ones. Uh, RJ Young has Charlie Brewer as one of his top five best transfers um, and that speaks that. a lot, and that's that's kind of why he, uh, you know, I'm sure is probably the driving force behind his his reasoning of picking Utah to win the Pac-12 uh, and to make it to the Rose Bowl.
0: It's such a bold prediction. Like, like oh, sure, be, like Utah transfer quarterbacks. Recent history would suggest It's not always greener on the other side. The grass is not always green. Jake Bentley stunk. Now that he's gone, we can say it. He was dog dust. Yeah, he
1: was Steve. He was not good. He
0: couldn't. He couldn't even hit a five yard slant. He threw him three yeah, yards was, behind the receiver. Like he wasn't good. And there was, was so much hype good. about this guy coming from the SEC. Thirty three starts, team <laughs> captain. Wowie. Look at me. No, he stunk. Like that's what you can't just like. And I don't know why he stunk, by the way. I don't know if it was a yeah. Utah thing. I don't know if he was just not good. I have no idea. I don't know. Nobody will know besides him, probably. And maybe Coach Whittingham and a few other, Ludwig and those guys up on the hill. But he wasn't good. So so this notion that like and, – and by the way, you know, just to like refresh everybody's minds, everybody and their dog but you and I said he was going to start – Oh, Jake Bentley's a starting quarterback. Jake Bentley's <laughs> going to be great. No, he stunk. Yeah. He, he stunk. He was bad. Yeah. So let's like – yeah. that's what I'm saying. Like Charlie Brewer, sure. okay, he might be good. He might turn out to be great, but go easy. Let's just pump the brakes sure. for a minute. He's transferring. If he was that good, he probably wouldn't be transferring in the first place. And I hate to say it, but I just did.
1: You did just say it, Tom, and I think there's it's, – it's, it's important to understand <laughs> – uh, Charlie Brewer, you know, he's, we don't know what he is, you know, there's a reason he's transferring and, um, and I do think there's a lot that happens <laughs> at <laughs> this last season with Charlie Brewer at Baylor um, new head coach, Dave Aranda, sure. um, his, one of his family members, I think it was a sister received death threats after his performance against Texas tech. Like there was just, all types of drama. And so, yes, he is transferring. There's a lot of context that comes along with Charlie Brewer. I don't think any of it is, is like his fault. Like we're talking red flags or anything like that, but there's just a lot of context involved with Charlie Brewer and his exit from Baylor. That should be considered, but I agree. He's transferring. If he were that good, would he really be transferring from Baylor? That you, that, that point is valid.
0: That's what I always go to when it comes to the portals. Sure. Is sure. Like, Take the best players, and there are going to be players that are really good that are in the portal. I'm not saying every player is bad, but just a general, I guess my general uh, approach to the portal is, and this, this is basically, the only reason I say this is because history suggests this. When I was a part of the team, I saw it firsthand when players transfer it's generally because it's not working at that school whether right. they're not getting enough playing time or they've fallen out with a with a coach or they don't get yeah. along with the the locker room or what whatever it doesn't matter like there are so many different reasons for a player to transfer it's not generally speaking it's not a good reason like you right. don't go oh i just want the heisman <laughs> you're going to transfer <laughs> like gonna, that just does, that yeah. doesn't happen you know sure um and, and but
1: you know to, to that, you know, we were, you know, we were pushing Cameron Rising. What was Rising? Rising was a transfer quarterback, and obviously exactly. the, the quarterback position is very unique from yes. the rest of, of uh, you know, a football roster. But, um, yeah, I think for the most part, you know, TJ Pledger kind of fell out of favor uh, at Oklahoma with Ramondre Stevenson um, there at Oklahoma who kind of took over this season. You know, and Ramondre Stevenson is now going to be an NFL back. He declared early; he's going to be an NFL guy. Chris so, yeah, have I mean, got uh, Chris Curry uh, was the starter coming into the season. Uh, new offensive coordinator there, uh, then the different than the one that recruited him. Um, and you know, they went with some of the younger guys that they brought in. Caventry, Cavantre Bradford, I think, is the running back. True freshman, speedy type of kid. So he kind of okay. fell out of favor. And so, but, but that's yeah, the other you... thing
0: is like these guys, Steve, and, and I'm not trying to I, – I promise I'm not trying to like uh, make Utah fans feel less confident going into the season, but it's just – I'm telling you like 99.9% of college football coaches play the best players because they're trying to keep a job. Coach Whittingham's job security is as safe as there is in the college game. Most coaches out there fight for their job security every year. They have to play the best players. Chris Curry, my best guess, I don't know this. He got beat out in full camp and lost the job. There were guys that were better than him. That's just my opinion, and that's just my guess. Probably the same thing with, with T.J. Pletcher. Um They get beat out. They don't play as many minutes as they want, and so they enter their name in the transfer portal. I'm not saying neither of them will work out at Utah. I hope nothing but for their success. Really, I do. Uh, But I just think with the transfer portal being so new, Utah fans, just fans of the game in general, have to pump the brakes on these big-time transfers and give them time to breathe because the expectation is too high, Steve. It's too high for these guys. Relax. Micah Bernard, let's get on. Let's rally behind him. Forget about TJ yeah. Pledger and Chris Curry. Let them get involved and, and figure themselves out here in Utah, and maybe they produce, and then we can rally behind them. Micah Bernard has produced for Utah already. He's the one that I think Utah fans need to be rallying behind. Same with Cam Rising. It took him a while to get uh, acclimated, but he's had such he's played such a big role for this program behind the scenes. I mean, you know, you follow yeah. recruiting. He's yeah. as good of a recruiter as there is, Steve.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. And it, it'll be interesting the running back position to see how it plays out. Um, you know, Pledger and Curry were both named the starter coming out of Fall Camp, but um, but they uh they just fell out of favor. And so, you know, if you're Utah, uh you're recruiting at a higher level, but you still are not at the level of Oklahoma, you're not at the level of LSU, you're still trying to catch up to these other programs. And so you're trying to find any and all talent that you can bring into the program. And so, yeah, sure. These guys didn't work out at Oklahoma uh, or, or LSU or, or Baylor or Texas. That doesn't mean they can't work out at Utah. Like they just need another opportunity. I think Utah has kind of found their niche with some of these guys where, yeah, you know, you go to, to one of these bigger programs for a year or so, a couple of years, whatever it may be, you realize it's, it's not, not working out you can come to Utah and you can you can take advantage of an opportunity I think Utah realized that I know Morgan Scali kind of talked about this uh recently in an interview um just about that very thing where yeah you're you're kind of looking for these uh these guys that, that just need more opportunity. And so that's that's what you're bringing in here is just guys that, yeah, it didn't work out at their previous stops, but that doesn't mean it can't work out at Utah. But you're absolutely right, Tom. I think uh, Makai Bernard is definitely a, a, a player <laughs> that, you know, he's he's going to get lost in the conversation because we're all excited about these new incoming guys, but he's definitely someone that a lot of people should still be excited about because he showed some great flashes this past season Um, and the crazy thing about Makai Bernard is he's a year younger than the rest of his classmates. So, um, you know, he joined the program as a 17 year old uh, red shirted uh, and, you know, this was his red shirt freshman season as an 18 year old. So uh, he's, he's got a ton of potential and he's definitely someone that, you know, Utah fans should be excited about. And really, you know, it's, it's impressive, what Utah was able to do at running back with obviously the loss of Ty Jordan um, and Utah's ability to bring these two and TJ Pledger and Chris Curry, two highly regarded uh transfer prospects. These guys were, you know, were sought after by, you know, I know TJ Pledger was sought after by USC, Nebraska, and a few others. Uh, Chris Curry had interest from schools back in, back in Florida and, and other places as well. And so, you know, to bring in these two highly touted transfers speaks a lot to Ty Jordan and what he did here. And so, um, obviously the loss of Jordan sucks, but you know, Utah bounced back and, and kind of rebuilt that group. And, uh, it's, it's still going to be a strong position group for Utah next season in 2021. And like you said, Tom, it's, uh, Makai Bernard being here and kind of being a dude that can be a top playmaker. That's a, that's a great thing for Utah.
0: Yeah. Well, look, I I, I I, really want our listeners to know I don't enjoy playing the role of Debbie Downer. I don't. I, uh-huh. I would love to be, you know, the hype man and get everybody excited, but I've just seen it on too many occasions when it comes to the transfer portal, and the fact that it's so new, I think a lot of people are still having a hard time just trying to figure it all out, um, especially the fans. So I still think Utah's going to be good, and I still think Utah can compete in the pac 12 next year and maybe they win the pac 12. So maybe they win the pac 12, but look, I I think they don't have a quarterback. There's a lot of question marks still surrounding the running back group. You're going to win in today's game. You've got to put up a certain amount of points and the running back and quarterback position, the two of the most important positions on any, on any offensive unit. So there's no way I can, I can back the Utes when there's that, there's that many question marks at some key positions, but that's neither here nor there. Steve, um, Hey, some pretty exciting news, and, and this won't take long to talk about, but the construction crew at Rice Eccles Stadium closed off the south end zone today, or this morning. They put the final beam in there, and um, the horseshoe yeah. is no longer around, Steve. It's now uh, enclosed. It's a cage. Yeah, it's bloody cool is what it is. That, that thing Man. is going to be rocking, and ticket prices Man. are going to be through the roof when this virus is all said and done. How exciting is that?
1: Dude, it's exciting, man. Like I remember uh, it was so fun to be at games this season because we got to see the progress, you know, between each home game, you know, of the South end zone. And so um, they kept that Southwest corner of, of the end zone opened um, just to kind of get, you know, equipment in and out of there. And so the fact that they've closed it off now, it's, it's exciting, man. Like, uh, it's it's going to be impressive to say yeah. the least, and just you can't really like like sizing it up like you just can't do it through pictures just yet. Like just the the and just it's gonna be magnificent. That's all I can say. I, I don't have words for it, Tom. I'm just so excited, man.
0: I'm hey, dude. I'm I'm with you. <laughs> I I don't know if we're gonna get uh, a full Rice Eccles this year. I think yeah. it's still too early to tell. I think we'll have more fans than we did last year, but I don't know if it's going to be packed. Maybe we'll have to wait till 2022, but either way, whenever that day comes, uh, I'm really excited for it. I, I can't wait. In fact, I'm just you know, shaking in my boots thinking about it, but that is cool. So the, 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 progress on the South end zone is coming a long way. And, um, and they have officially closed off the entire South end zone to make a, uh, to make a cage. So, uh, Man, that stadium's going to be pumping! Hey, I want to give a quick teaser to uh, for our, for next week, Steve. I've had this this idea, and and I want to I want to see if, if if we can kind of dive deeper into this subject because it's fascinating. So, Ooh. Zach Wilson is potentially Ooh. the number two overall pick, Steve. Uh-huh. And look, I I don't know if he's going to go that high. I don't. Uh, but I think he's a first-round talent. I mean, I mean, I saw something today. Who's like the the McShay? Who? What's Todd McShay. Todd McShay came out with an article today, an ESPN article, saying Zach Wilson's miles better than Justin Fields. No. Okay, well, I'm just telling you the hype around Zach Wilson is is real, and there are there are legitimate there are legitimate people out there. That seem to think he's the second best player in this draft, which is – look, we can debate it next week. I don't want – I don't want to yes, – I'm next lighting week. a fire. I'm lighting a fire right now. Whew, getting all heated.
1: Damn, I'm turning Utah, red in the
0: face. Utah refused to sign or offer Zach Wilson because they were committed to Jack Tuttle. Okay. That did not work out. I think we can all agree. Whether you think Zach Wilson is miles better than Justin Fields or you think he's a first-round talent or not, it doesn't matter. He's better than Jack Tuttle, and that's bottom line. We're not arguing that. Utah has done the same thing this year, okay? Peter Castelli was was signed by the University of Utah. The Utes refused to sign Jackson Dart, a four-star talent, out of their backyard if he goes on to do big things at USC and Peter Castelli doesn't work out. I'm just saying there are going to be questions that are going to need answers, like serious questions that are going to need serious answers. And I want to talk about that next week because it's a slippery, slippery slope. Like I understand, I understand if, I, I, I guess, how do I say this? I, I don't understand why you wouldn't offer Jackson Dart or Zach Wilson. They didn't even offer him. Either of them. So, anyway, Steve, we'll talk about it next week. And we'll, we'll talk, talk about it next week. And I'm excited for it uh, because it's a conversation that will hopefully take up the majority of the show. But, Netway Subaru is our sponsor. We love and appreciate them. NateWade Subaru. NateWade.com is where you can go. 1207 South Main Street is where you can find them. Just uh, a few blocks from downtown Salt Lake City. He's Steve Bartle. I'm Tom Hackett. At SBartle247 on Twitter or at Tom Hackett. He is uzone.com uh, Please do go check them out. I'm involved with KetelSports.com. We'd love to see you there as well. Steve, my man, best of luck, dude. Tommy, it
1: was a good one today.
0: I think so. <sighs> I get riled up over nothing. We love you guys. See you next week. <music>